The Real Men Connect podcast is blessed to have the Basic Solutions Group as one of our ministry partners. The Basic Solutions Group is one of the leading app creators for ministries worldwide. So whether you want to increase your ministry's reach, maximize your impact, or multiply your message, then check out the Basic Solutions Group at basicsolutionsgroup.com. And to see what they can do for you, just go to your app store and download the Real Men Connect app for free on any iPhone, Android, mobile device, or tablet. Just go to your app store and type in the word Real Men Connect. That's one word, no spaces. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That's from Matthew 7, chapter 12, verse. Now, we as men, we've learned this before we could even read a Bible. If you do the right things, good things are supposed to happen. And if you do the wrong things, bad things are supposed to happen. But what happens when life doesn't follow the formula God told you to follow? What if you're a good person and you lose it all? What if not only does your family and your friends fail you, but your mind and your body as well? And what do you do if it's not even your fault? Where is God in all of this? And if he's there, why is he allowing all of this stuff to happen? Now, if you have more questions and answers, and God seems to have somewhat forsaken you, then you want to listen to today's episode. Stay tuned. Welcome to Real Men Connect. Are you ready to be the extraordinary man, husband, father, and leader God called and created you to be? Then get ready to receive wisdom and guidance from some of the country's most respected men of faith as you learn everything you need to know to go from good man to great man God's way. No judgment, no shame. Just real men with real challenges seeking real change. All for God's glory. Hello, mighty men of God, and welcome to the Real Men Connect podcast, where we help good men become great men God's way. I'm your host, Dr. Joe Martin, and each week we interview some of the nation's most respected and accomplished men of faith to find out what it really takes to become the kind of husband, father, and spiritual leader that we were called and created to be. Our guests not only share with you their strategies for success, but more importantly, they've agreed to share with you their personal stories and struggles in achieving that success. Each interview session is packed with practical, proven biblical principles you can immediately apply in your relationships, on your job, and in your community. Today we have with us a good friend of mine. His name is Corey Dabalair. And let me tell you a little bit about Corey's story before we, um, before he comes live and he talks to you. Corey is an author, speaker, and advocate for mental health and faith. He serves as a committee member of the Ohio Attorney General's Office on Mental Health and Criminal Justice, as well as subcommittees focused on youth and early childhood education. Corey also sits on the advisory board for the Ohio Suicide Prevention Foundation, and he is a contributor to a wide range of faith, mental health, and education initiatives that focus on people living a more rewarding and productive life. As a speaker, he has spoken to audiences from Washington, D.C. to Seattle and throughout his home state of Ohio. For eight years, Corey has been involved in advocacy, legislation, education, as well as with the National Alliance on Mental Illness. The author of two books, Corey's career is focused on people becoming 100% of what God created them to be. Now, I met Corey about a couple of years ago, I guess it was, when I was speaking at an education conference in Ohio, and we had a chance to break bread together. We've kept in touch, and not only is he a brother in Christ, I consider him a friend. And I asked Corey to join us today to talk to us about a topic I believe many men can relate to, and that's when good men struggle. Corey has a powerful testimony, and I believe his message and his journey will bless you. So with that being said, hey, Corey, thanks for joining us today and welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Corey, I am so excited about you being on the show today because you have such a powerful testimony. 
And I titled this show, this episode, When Good Men Struggle, because I believe a lot of men can relate to it. But before we get the show started, I would like to ask you to share with us their favorite Bible verse. So what's your favorite Bible verse and why is that? That is very easy for me. It is Matthew 25, 40. Uh, For whatever I do for the least of my brothers and sisters, I do for him. I live by that verse. I use it as a a probably hourly reminder, especially when I get frustrated. (laughs) I come back to what it is all really about. And and see, that is great. I love that you that is your staple scripture. Uh, I hope that some of our listeners even write that one down. Now, Corey, you know me and I believe everyone has a story. So I always ask our guests uh, to briefly share with us their personal story. So could you tell us about your journey? Because it's very unique and how (laughs) you got started doing what you're doing. What led you to this point? I sure can. And I will summarize because I know we'll get deeper in what is important and what people actually need from the life experiences. Um, Everything's relative and everyone needs something different. Um, I was very blessed to grow up um, in a middle class family, a farming family, a close family, very little divorces. Um, In fact, none in our immediate family uh, united. We. I grew up safe. I was always safe. I uh, lost my sister at a young age, which actually I had to make a good thing. And it really began an incredible relationship with Christ through that death. I learned very early on that life was temporal. Um, Then being left an only child, I certainly attained the stereotypical only child mentality. George Bernard Shaw said it best when he said, don't ever worry about your only child. The idea of failure would never occur to them. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. So growing up in that environment, there was also a lot of ignorance. I I didn't really know any other world than the one that I lived in. Even though we traveled extensively, I only saw the world through the perspective of my world. I, I, my way of thinking, my way um, of life. That was good and bad, right? I, I, it's good that I grew up safe. It gave me an incredible foundation that I had to rely on later. And um, through that process, I was extremely successful in the corporate world, getting through, you know, going through college and rapidly being promoted in the corporate world and enjoying the high life. And I thought that that is what a man does. A man is about success. A man was about pride. A man was about popularity and, you know, getting what you want. Key words, you want. Um, Through that process, um, I never realized that there was an underlying part of that personality that wasn't just an only child. It was a mental health condition, a chemical imbalance they call bipolar one disorder. I had never heard of mental illness before, ever. At 28 years old, after a very successful life and living in three different states and already being in 42 countries, I experienced a complete mental breakdown, which bankrupted a business that I had. A lot of money was owed. My parents did pay that money. However, the judicial system looked at it as fraud. And then at that point, after a couple of months of hospitalization and diagnosis, I was introduced to several worlds that I did not know exist. And I can now say 
what a blessing to meet the least of my brothers and sisters. I learned compassion. I learned what love was. I learned what loyalty was. And I learned that to truly be connected to Christ, you cannot go through life and not feel the pain of another. Um, that world, those things were mental hospital, uh, plural, many suicide attempts. Um, it, I was placed into the prison system, which led to gang rapes for six months, uh, which led to homelessness and hunger. But once again, I was introduced to our veterans with PTSD that were living on the streets. I was introduced to lost children, um, runaways. I was introduced to so many people. And for 10 years, I made up my mind that I will make this an education, an education that was more important than any country I had traveled to, any academic degree, and anything that I had done prior to that point. And the transformation, even though I'd always had a relationship with Christ, really happened when I was sitting on a park bench. And I'm unfortunately not one of those guys that hear Christ. I, I, I know that it's, it's him when I feel peace. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't hear him. Um, I wish I did. However, I was sitting on a park bench. I had shin splints. I couldn't walk anymore. My shoes were completely worn out. And I was looking at the portico of a hotel that several years before I had won several awards at. And um, it clicked as if Christ sat right beside me. And I simply said out loud, I am completely empty. I do not care. What happens to me? I knew who was with me. I never want anyone to ever feel this way. And dear God, if you would give me that opportunity, I will give everything of me to you in order to help others never feel this way. And that is where the journey began. The list of things that I'm involved in and what I have done through Christ since then, those titles, those audiences, the books, all praise goes to Christ. I take no credit for any of it. I, I'm a businessman. I never expected this life. And, you know, that sums up the whole thing that comes right up to your introduction, basically, Joe. Right. Now, Corey, I mean, all I can say is, Wow. Uh, I'm writing notes feverishly because there's so much. I We talked before the show started and I told you that, Corey, I know you personally and I know that you, there's so much to your life and your story that I want you to be a frequent guest on this show. And I'm glad that you agreed to do that. Now, those who just hear your story for the first time can understand why, because there's so much I would like to pick apart because I know what it is. A lot of stuff that you, you're talking about, I can relate to. So I know there's a lot of men out there who can relate to it. But one of the first things I always look at when I see someone who's come through the fire like you have. And dude, we've talked before on other occasions and we can talk for hours. And I tell you, my biggest fear is that this show is going to go too long today. But, <laughs> I, but I like to, to, to look at when people come through the fire, I love to first go back. And because you had two different lives, you, you grew up in a somewhat privileged environment and you went from having a dream life to a life of a nightmare life. And even you mentioned the loss of loss of your sister. Uh, if you don't mind me asking, how old was your sister and how old were you at the time when you lost your sister? Three years 
or no, she was three months old. She died of cystic fibrosis. And so I was second grade young child. And so even as a young child, you had a difficult time probably trying to process that because you were in second grade. That means you had to be at least maybe six, six or seven. Six or seven, yeah. Yeah, so um, I taught first graders and that was the age group that I taught. So I can only imagine how difficult that was for you. And then you found that you were only child. But here's the first question I want to jump into, just looking at all this stuff that you just mentioned. When did your life start to unravel when you realized it wasn't this perfect package that it looked like to the public and even to yourself? When did it start to unravel for you? You thought maybe there's something wrong here. That's a wonderful question because, you know, a chemical imbalance is a disease. It's physiological. However, there were other signs because I God was God was pushing me and you know what? He wasn't pushing me. He was pulling me in. I was good at business. I was good in that corporate environment, but he did not give me the gifts that he gave me to use for the world. Right. So there was, I can look back and think of at least a year, maybe more, that incredible feeling of no satisfaction, that incredible feeling of I've done it all. Now what? That incredible feeling of need, 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 not peace, peace, peace. (laughs) And I think that when those emotions started rolling, um, had I been self-aware enough, not had I been stronger or anything, just a little bit more self-aware and not so worldly involved, living in the world and i i think i would have picked up on you you ventured into the world looking for satisfaction and happiness so i think that it started unraveling a year to a year and a half prior to me actually getting mentally sick and i am an all or nothing person it was the only way god could do it from one extreme to the other right I believe. <laughs> so now you were diagnosed at the age of 28. Is that correct? So, so, but before that, you started to see some things that I call it that, that discontent, because a lot of us, especially if you're an overachiever, can relate to it because I went through a similar process myself. When you get to that point that you say, is this all there is? Um, I don't know which author said it, but they say you run the race and then you realize you were running the wrong race. If that wasn't a race I was supposed to run, then God has to come in and get your attention. Now, during this process, when you get to this point, because obviously you are succeeding at a pretty rapid pace and you're achieving some of the things that the world tells us what or defines as success, I always narrow it down to education, compensation, occupation, and reputation <laughs> that yes. you're receiving those things. But your family, because tell us a little bit more about your, your parents, because they've lost a child. Then they have this son. Now you're the only child. And this son is doing some positive things and achieving, quote, worldly success. How are they responding to you in this this season in your life? And what kind of parents were they in helping to raise you? My parents were loyal. Um, they, we, um, I had a lot of freedom. And my mother and I especially were extremely close. I, I believe that I put, as I get older, I understand these things. I believe that I 
placed a lot of internal pressure on myself Mm -hmm. being not just an only child, being left an only child. And so I have really never discerned if they put pressure on me or if I put it all on me. And maybe it was just a balance of both. Right. Um, I have always admired and respected my parents because through anything and everything, they stayed together. And that example, and I am a firm believer that words are just words and example is everything. It taught me what loyalty is. It taught me what standing by someone and standing with is. So through all those trials and tribulations, I had this incredible example of what unity was. And when I did have my mental break, and it did come from nearly dying by suicide, of course, my parents were in shock. They were also in shock of the debt that they had to pay. They were shocked of the whole situation because it was nothing that any of us had ever experienced in any realm of our lives. Um, They did not know how to handle it. They did not know what mental illness was, um, not even sure if they even believed it was real. And they stepped away. They stepped away. It was the first time in my life that I had felt abandonment. I went from the hospital to a homeless shelter. Wow. I'm sure that they would redo that. Um, And I don't ever want them to feel guilt for that because, like I said, I got 10 years of incredible education through Christ. Um, However, those things do live in you. And between that and the events that I had already mentioned in the summary, you know, I struggle to this day with trust and giving my trust to people. Um, I am very guarded in that area and I wish I wasn't (laughs) but I fully admit there are times that I I, there's not many people I I went through a period a couple of years ago that I did let a lot of people or several people really deep into my heart and that again did not work out when I got sick Mm -hmm. so I struggle deeply because I have incredible men not males in my life that have been examples of walking in the shoes of Christ. And I had also in the past couple of years had the exact opposite. So I do struggle with that back and forth that stems all the way back to being 28 in abandonment. You know, these things stick with you. It's kind of like Paul's thorn. And I've prayed and prayed and prayed, you know, to have those things taken away and to completely just, you know, I can be trans, I am transparent and honest and open and vulnerable. But when it comes close to my personal inner circle, that is different. That is, that's still two different worlds, the public quarry and the personal. It's uh, very difficult for me. And I do pray for it to go away. And I don't, I'm not, I've never really figured out why. What I do know is that it does really fuel me even though i feel it i don't want others i'm determined that people don't experience those traumas um mental illness is is manageable it's manageable with medication and therapy it's it's a disease trauma that's that's tough it's really tough (laughs) it leaves its mark 
it's wounds, it's scars. Now, Corey, I want to go back to a point you made because we try to keep it real on Real Men Connect because one reason God put this on my heart is because a lot of men, we suffer in silence. And you know from going through mental illness what that can could feel like. That's another reason I want to bring you back on the show because I think we need to dedicate our entire show to dealing with that particular topic. Amen. Uh, but I want to go back to something that you mentioned. You, I was asking you about your parents and what kind of parents they were, and you were closer to your mom. And then you had that episode when you came out of the hospital, you, you were homeless. But I want you to touch on what I consider um, the most important component in the home, which is that father figure. Not necessarily the biological dad, but that male, or like you said, the man in that mm-hmm. home. And so tell me a little bit about your dad and your relationship with him and how that made an impact on you, even growing up as a child. My father is a very good man. He's a, a farmer. Um, he'd worked in a factory. I have never in my life heard anyone say a bad word about my father. He also, I don't know if it's generational or what, um, was extremely closed up emotionally. And I didn't have that effect. There was no affection. Um, a man is a man that goes to work, financially supports his family, takes care of things, um, the physical things, and the wife takes care of the emotional things and the affection. It was um, not by his fault. We don't know some, we don't know things differently, do we? Um, I I think my mother's, my my sister's death deeply um, impacted my father's emotions. And um, it's, he didn't want to get hurt anymore either. And I think that everyone did the best that they knew how. As a son, I respected my father. I yearned for uh, a connection and not just the words love, but the feeling of love and being loved. Now, even though you were diagnosed with a, a mental illness, do you believe that your relationship with your parents contributed um, somewhat to your the process of your recovery from it or recovery through it. Do you think that, and if so, what kind of impact do you think that had on it? I think that any, um, anything emotional plays into it because, you know, when the an illness engages, it immediate, immediately goes to the negative. You know, you get into a depression and it starts into this vicious, vicious cycle of remembering absolutely everything that was bad in your life. And it will exaggerate it as well. The more it compounds, it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, my the, the love with my dad, I think, really played a part. I, I think that I, a part of my success and rapid success was the need of acceptance that I didn't feel. I, I felt safe with my mother and I felt accepted and I knew she was always proud of me and excited. I, my dad is a man of silence. He's that you're, you're closed up. You don't open up your emotions. You certainly don't become vulnerable. Um, and that deeply has impacted my life it, all the way up to 
today and trusting and loving. I've had so many people say, I love you. I love you. And I kid you not, it goes right straight through me. Right. It does not connect. <laughs> mm-hmm. Not always, but it's hard to get me to that point. So, Corey, as you're going now through your journey, we're going to now go through this process with you together, is while you're going through this from having it all to then going through um, horrible experiences from rejection to abuse to um, um, emotional suffering and pain, out of all of this, and I know this might be oversimplification, but I know there's so many answers you'll probably give me, but what was the toughest challenge and obstacle that you had to overcome doing this process? Um, this 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 growth that you were going through in this this transition. What was the the, um, the toughest challenge, the obstacle you had to overcome? Abandonment. Abandonment. And the reason for that, I can make that very clear and simple. It's something that I studied and learned. I am a person, and I think most people, if they're honest, are. I would rather be hated and told that I'm hated than be treated with complete indifference. Mm-hmm. I think John even said that in scripture. I can't remember exactly where, um, you know, what love is. Love is not hatred. Love is not murder. And love is not indifference. It is a very, very, there's no solution to indifference. There's no communication. There's no, there's nothing. So abandonment led to being treated with indifference. And that is the single most challenging thing I ever experienced in my life. Okay. And with that being said, then what, what did you do or what happened to help you come out of it? Because a lot of men are, especially when the father, there's a father wound there, there is a feeling of abandonment. And we attribute that, you know, that relationship we have with our physical father then also gets transferred to with our heavenly father. And so that is usually a stronghold in a lot of men's life. But how were you able to deal with those feelings of abandonment and indifference? It's challenging every day, Joe. Um, however, like I said, I am very blessed, even though I don't always, um, let them see or know just how blessed I know I am to have several men, um, that are completely open, completely transparent, completely loving very much in Christ, constantly remind me they have never given up on me, loyal to a level of me not deserving that I can't even explain, as unconditional as I've ever seen a human being be. And I'll tell you, I also have sisters in Christ that are the same, but men are what the, the brothers in my life are the strongest impact on my heart. And I do think that that goes back to that indifference and abandonment. It, oh, I'm sorry, they, go ahead, Corey. They can speak to me. They, they, they can speak to my heart, not just my ears. The men, the role models, the mentors. And Corey, I think that's awesome because that's basically what this whole show is about is the importance of men sharpening men and supporting each other. And obviously it's made a huge impact on your life because I would say the same for me of dealing with my own feelings of, of abandonment and indifference is that 
it was great having men in my life later on. I wish I would have had them earlier. But here's a tough question for you, because I love to hear this journey for people who've gone through the same process that you and I have gone through and other men when it comes to having those men in their lives. What did it take? How did you learn to trust again? Because you were um, abused. You were um, you, you when you went to when you were incarcerated, that you were constantly under attack by men. So what did it take for you? And I've gone through a similar experience myself, but what did it take for you to uh, to rebuild that trust for men to allow that healing to take place? Well, it was interesting. I um, didn't have, when I came home, which was eight years ago, after being homeless and I weighed 118 pounds and it was a mess, I um, went to a ministry in which I won't name and I did connect with a few people and that journey began and i honestly as an only child i felt wow maybe i can have siblings <laughs> right maybe i can trust and i started to open up and it did take a little while but um it i really it was probably the safest i've ever felt in i don't know 16 years i really felt safe i felt loved um i trusted I threw my heart, I once explained it to who I considered my best friend at the time. And I am not someone that ever had best friends. I've always been independent. And, um, but I said to him once, I said, the only thing I ask is that I threw my heart really far out on the table and I can't get it back. Um, unfortunately, I got, I had another episode a bipolar disorder, um, and I'm sure you can relate. I spread myself very, very thin, being a 100% person, and I wasn't paying attention. Um, the reaction to that was indifference and abandonment, and it tore me apart. And through everything, including rape, I have never been that sick or felt that bad. That bad and um so that that question's interesting to me because that's very fresh <laughs> mm -hmm. um and i couldn't believe it happened again um one thing i had never in my life have i ever questioned or got mad at god so i kept grasping <laughs> for him and um it, you know, and it, it wasn't just a few people. The ministry didn't, well, some people didn't have um, an understanding of mental illness or even a belief in it. It turned into rumors and gossip and all that stuff. And it just shut me down. So when the coming back to the question of trust, it has been that relentless loyalty of the brothers in my life. I would be one of two things without those real men. I would either be dead or I would be so isolated and closed off, jaded and bitter of this world that no one would ever hear from me again. And my life experiences and everything that I believe is my purpose would never be shared. Right. And Corey, I, I tell you, because I just truly believe and I know the Holy Spirit is doing his work. There are men out there listening to this who understand and can relate and empathize with uh, the feelings of abandonment and the trust issues 
God has done a work in your life, a great work. And I want to zone in now on when you got to that point, because I'm, you know, I've been suicidal and battled with depression and that type of thing. And people always want to know that turning point when you realize that no matter how bad it was, and usually it's when you're in your pit, that something happens that gives you hope to believe that it's going to get better. So I want to take you back to when you were thought it couldn't get any worse, but something that's when you, you felt it in your spirit. And I remember you said earlier that you don't actually hear an audible voice, but you feel a peace about you. I want you to describe for our listeners what actually happened when you realize that there is still hope that I don't care how bad it looks, it's going to get better. All things work together for good. When that became real to you that I don't care what it looks like, things are going to turn around. Take us back to what happened in that particular instance. There are several instances, so but they're all the exact same. Mm-hmm. I felt, I think, what my heart and soul always needed and what happened at each and every time is this intense warmth came over my body. And I'm not talking sweating. I'm talking warmth. And I felt the loving hands of Christ and being held simply being held mm-hmm. and nothing mattered uh, nothing um i've just finally each time i never i don't like to get to that place of suicide but um i love that feeling i mm-hmm. i you know i think we as men have to be men you know macho blah 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 i'm man enough to met those have been the best times in my life when I actually felt like a child wrapped in my father's arms. Right. And Corey, I tell you, I, I, I know why we have such a connection together. Um, I remember when I was in that similar pit. And like you said, we were taught to be men. We are taught to be strong and we can handle it. But I remember when I went through my divorce and I was home in that home, that big home by myself when my child wasn't there. My wife wasn't there. And I, was, I realized that now I'm dealing with the consequence of my choices and my actions and feeling those um, reoccurring feelings of abandonment, of not having anybody there in my life. I remember lying in my bed and crying out to God and say, God, I need to, to feel your embrace. Yes. I need to know that you are real. Yes. And Corey, it's like you're in my head. That's exactly <laughs> I remember that day it felt, and I know this doesn't sound macho and it doesn't sound masculine, that he held me throughout that night. I literally felt as if I could feel the arms of God wrapped around me. And the sad thing is just like you said, that I haven't felt that way since. (laughs) And, And you long for it because when you feel that and you know that he is real, no one could tell you otherwise that your father isn't real. And when I felt that embrace, it felt no different than my wife holding me, man. I'm telling you. And so when you said that, it sent chills up my spine because I could definitely relate to what you're saying. And I know there's men out there who've been in that pit. They've been down in the dumps and they felt the embrace of the father. And wouldn't you know, it'll be the father's way of doing things to bring men into your life to say, guess what? There are physical men out there who can hold you and embrace you when you've been hurt and you feel nobody's there standing in your corner, regardless of the number who turned their backs on you and left you. So I appreciate you sharing that story. And 
being transparent because a lot of men don't talk about that feeling. And I'm glad to realize I'm not the only one <laughs> that has been out there who can relate to it. Now, let me let's get into some uh, change to kind of the direction we're going with this, because now I want you to share some of the, the life lessons that you've learned uh, from this whole process. So let's start with three principles that you live by now that has kept you from reverting back to that person who was at his worst. What, what three principles do you live by that you can share with the men out there? Compassion mm -hmm. is key. I don't need to understand anything or anyone. No two realities are the same. I can always have compassion, and that's my choice. Um, loyalty, because I've been shown it by example, I do everything I can to not give up on anyone. And this sounds very worldly, but it is true. It's a, it's a, it's through Christ, but it's persistence. It, this, you know, this, we're all going to die, but no one believes it's going to happen to them. <laughs> That's right. I got a job to do. <laughs> and I know it's directly dictated by God himself. And that does not make me special because we're all born with a purpose and we choose whether to pay attention to it or not. So persistence is very important and it's not just persistence in life it's persistence in waking up in the morning and being in silence with god it's persistence of getting frustrated and shutting up and listening to god it is persistence and not constantly asking for what i want but what i need and have the courage to actually take it on oh that is awesome man i that you're absolutely right i love that compassion loyalty and persistence and those all principles that we need to live by and we traits that we need to possess. Now, I wanted to ask you from your humble point of view, okay, because we're talking about when good men struggle, because we're going to go through hard times. I don't care how much you are following Christ and trying to to be the man of God that he's called you to be, that you're going to run into to problems. I mean, because I look at them as now it's just tests. God, what are you teaching me through this? But I want to get your opinion because you've been there, done that, have the t-shirt. Why do you think most good men continue to struggle? I think because they have to, they don't have to, but they feel that they need to keep it all within. I have, I have seen the Holy Spirit move more through being transparent myself and giving someone, uh, giving another man the almost permission, if you will, to be transparent and vulnerable. And we live in a very, and I don't mean to be too critical, but I sometimes call it the Kardashian world or the fa Facebook world. It's, it's image. We can show anyone anything that we want. We can make people, we can, we can make people believe that we live these fabulous, incredible lives. And we get so wrapped up in that image and men do too, you know, they're, supposed to be the head of the household, you know, God first, wife second, then children. And I've seen it, that's happened to me. I've seen it happen with others. You know, men will say, I can't deal with that with my brother right now. I can't be there for him because, you know, I have to take care of my wife and my children. And 
for me, that makes no sense because example teaches anything. So if you turn away from your brother, you've just given an example to your whole family. Right. Um, so guide me back to the point. I could go on for hours on that one, Joe. Yeah, we're talking about why good men, do you think good men do struggle? And I think you 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 touched on a good point. You said they keep it within themselves. Absolutely. They isolate themselves. And when you were talking about the Facebook and the social media, I always tell people that what you see on Facebook, what you see on Instagram, you're not looking at someone's life. You're looking at their highlight reels. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, the highlight reels are always going to show you the guy dunking the basketball or hitting the home run. They're not going to show, you know, they, if they showed a whole show of people striking out, people stop watching. Yes. So they want to see the successes. So I don't. I, I tell people to take social media with a grain of salt because everybody's life is not as good as it looks. And also the life you're really living is not as bad as you think. You know, somewhere there's a little bit of give and take in there. But what advice would uh, you give to men who are trying to do the right thing? They're trying to be what God called them to be, but they're still struggling. What advice would you give them, Corey? Find those you can trust. Open up. Let the Holy Spirit work through that. You don't know what someone else's life is like. They have something to teach you. And you have something to teach them. That's what life is about, learning from one another. And if we don't share, we don't learn. So I've gotten challenged on this statement before. You know, supposedly we leave this world taking nothing. I challenge that. I We absolutely can leave this world taking one thing, and that is the lessons we learned because we didn't have the courage or the vulnerability or the trust in God to share them, to teach someone else. Mm -hmm. So open up and be safe. Guard your heart. Don't open up with just anyone. Um, but find that connection. Men understand men when they open up. Men and women are different. It's right. fact. It's yeah. science. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and we need one another. We need one another. Uh, it makes us strong. Paul said he is strength in his weakness. And now, Corey, it takes courage. Now, Corey, you mentioned that obviously men have played a, a vital role in your life. And it, it's great seeing the whole spectrum because you have the men who actually made a difference and the men who tried to stop you <laughs> from making yeah. a difference. But I want you to kind of focus in on that hero of yours. Um, when it comes to men, what man do you respect and admire most and why? Oh, wow. <laughs> I know that's a broad question because, I, you know, because there's so many people who've impacted your life, obviously. Same with me. But yeah. there's one stand out during this journey that you were on, that one man in particular stood out, and then that person became sort of like your hero because. When I look back, I it's one title and two men. I have to do it. It's, mm -hmm. I have two grandfathers that were the most hardworking yet peaceful, trusting, everything will be all right. In absolutely every single situation I remember throughout my entire life, they, you could cry in front of them, they could cry in front of you. Um, and they also took care of business. They were macho men as far as I'm concerned. Right. 
but they they had emotion. They one one has passed away, the other is still alive and still does. Um that example has always been a gauge for me. And it's interesting, the brothers that are close to me all possess some piece of those two men. Wow. <laughs> wow. I, I remind myself or I get reminded often. I don't even think I this when they hear this will probably be the first time they ever heard that. <laughs> there is absolutely you know, a piece or two of each of those two men, those two grandfathers in my closest brothers. Man, that is awesome, Corey. Now, I'm going to stretch your brain a little bit if I haven't already. I want to take you back to a younger version of you, okay? And even though you had a major thing happen to you at the age of 28, I'm going to take you to 21. Because, and I don't know why I just picked 21, but I guess I believe that's when you're legal to drink. <laughs> so, yeah. so maybe, you know, that's a threshold for a lot of people. But I want to take you back to 21 years old. If you could go back and talk to that 21-year-old Corey, what would you tell them to do first? Slow down. What do you mean slow down? I was an executive by the time I was 21. Mm-hmm for a fortune 500 company i was on a race for life a race before death i everything even though i had faith you know even though i went to church every sunday even though i even talked to god it was world 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 pressure 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 succeed 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 this is what a man is 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 my money, my car, my where I lived, what I did. I was a man when I would get off a private jet. I felt like a man, fully admit it. Mm-hmm. I would get those feelings that affirmed I was a man on these different occasions. And I never slowed down because I was on that constant need for that high. I never did drugs and all of that. I got a high off of that lifestyle and if i could tell that 21 year old anything it would be stop appreciate the now you don't have control over the past or the future stop that's good stuff Corey. now let me ask you this the same 21 year old what would you tell him to do better connect to be honest with you, and I'm not just saying that because of the title of your show. <laughs> but I, I like it anyway. <laughs> I, yeah, I was popular. I had a lot of friends and I didn't even, because I never connected with the heart with any of them, mm-hmm. it didn't matter if they were friends of me because of who I was or money or anything. It didn't matter. You know, a lot of people always get hurt by those things. It didn't matter to me because I never put my heart out on the table. If they came in and left, I didn't care. Um, I appreciated, you know, like kind of a shallow word. I, I appreciated the friendship. I had a great time um, with many friends and had a lot of guy friends. Um, but it was it wasn't heart. It, it, no, it was very much about me. It was very much about independence. It was very much about no one's allowed to hurt me. Very selfish. I would not connect. So you would tell them to do better, connect. So if you could, what would you tell them to try to do more of? 
love. Hmm. Um, you know, love covers so much, but it all boils down to it equals God. So no matter how, if you're authentic with love, no matter what direction you take it, marriage, family, children, the love for the poor, the love for the needy, it doesn't matter what direction you take love, it equals God. And I, I really wished I would have started loving earlier. Even if I couldn't accept love, right? I wish I would have started loving earlier in my life. And, and not worried, not been so selfish to think that I was entitled to never get hurt in life. Give me a break. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I would probably slap the guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, now it's time, Corey. This, I mean, that was great information you just shared with us. But now it's time. You know, I told you about it before. What we call man up questions. Yep. And these are five quick questions using the letters M-A-N-U-P that require fearless honesty, which you're not going to have a problem with at all. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so my question to you is, are you ready? Yes. Okay, great. Let's go. We start with the M. The M stands for mistake. Now, what mistake did you learn the most from as a man? Control. I had to be in control of everything. Even if I was doing the right thing, it was mine. Not God's, mine. Wow. Okay. Now, the A represents attitude. If you could change one attitude in men, we're talking about in men now, what would it be? Trust. Trust? Yep. Okay. Now, the N stands for next. And so tell me, what's the next big thing you would attempt to do for God if you knew you couldn't fail? I can say this because I failed at it many times. And I think your quote is, we need failure in our lives. Mm -hmm. I would step out of that boat and even in that storm, not take my eyes off Christ and do what I'm called to do. Okay, I can receive that. <laughs> All right. Now, the you represents understand. Now, when you were younger, what was one thing you didn't understand about being a man, but you know better now? That being a man is vulnerability. It is transparency. It is being the example of love, not just the words, the example. We are to we are built in his image, so we need to start living it in oh, his image. Oh, that's great. I love that. That is awesome. Now, the last letter is P for problem. Now, you're a mighty man of God, but what one problem in your life do you still struggle with even as a man today? The pain and the memories, um, those actions have created a filter in me and on my heart that I want gone. And I struggle with it daily. It's my Paul's thorn. And thanks for being so transparent and honest with us, Corey. I really appreciate that. Man, I, I told you, um, there's, there's so many other things I would like to talk to you about and discuss with you. That's why we're going to bring you on for some future shows. So I definitely will be keeping in contact with you because you're also a personal friend. <laughs> but before we close, what's the one thing you would want our listeners to remember most about what we've been discussing today about dealing with 
with struggles and um, adversity and problems and abandonment and all these different issues that we've we've addressed today. In other words, what would you want them to take away from this conversation today? What would be the one thing? Love one another. Gosh dang it. You're not <laughs> entitled to anything. You're not entitled to a good life. You're, I don't care how hard you work. Things happen. And love one another. And I mean love. Not the Webster's Dictionary. God's. God's definition. Love one another. You're not entitled to a thing. You know, and the Bible tells us that um, Jesus told us that they would know um, our love based on how we treat one another. Yes. And so you're absolutely right. And I think that's a great point to close out the broadcast. So that's our show for today. But um, guys out there listening, don't don't you worry. We'll be back to do it all again next week with a new guest, with new insights and new lessons. So make sure you don't miss it. I'd like to thank Corey for joining us today and for being so gracious with his time. So thank you, Corey. Thank you, Joe. And Corey, quickly for our listeners, if they wanted to find out more information about you, your ministry and what you're working on, how can they connect with you? You can feel free to um, use my email address. Do you have that or do you want me to state it? No, go ahead and tell us. It's D-O-B-B-E-L-A-E-R-E at gmail.com. And don't ever fear sharing anything. If I don't have the strength, God will give it to me. (laughs) Um, Harrison's story is the first book I read and the second I mean, first book. <laughs> first book, first you book read. that'd be sad. <laughs> first book I wrote, and God get you some is the second. And you can just Google that or find it on Amazon or Barnes and Noble. Mm-hmm. Well, great, thank you, Corey, and and also for our listeners, his last name is pronounced Dabalair. <laughs> Dabalair. <laughs> so to. All of you guys out there, I want you to do us a favor. This is so important. Take about 30 seconds and go over to iTunes and rate the program. It's the best way to help us get this program in the hands, ears, and hearts of men just like you. And please don't keep us a secret. Share us with your friends. Until next time, I'm Joe Martin, the man builder and disciple maker with RealMenConnect.com, reminding you that we are males by birth, but we are men by choice. So each and every day, choose to be that man God called and created you to be because a male is a terrible thing to waste. So until next time, stay strong, stay blessed, and as always, stay in his grip. Thank you for listening to the Real Men Connect podcast with Dr. Joe Martin. Real Men Connect isn't just a podcast. It's a mission, ministry, and movement to help good men become the great men God called and created us to be. And the best is yet to come. So if you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and leave us a review in iTunes. It really helps us to build the podcast and to reach, teach, and impact more men, all for the glory of God. And make sure you check out realmenconnect.com to get our free tools and resources to help you go from good man to great man God's way. Again, that's realmenconnect.com. Thank you for listening. We'll see you in the next episode. Real Men Connect is a listener-supported podcast, and we're now the number one radio podcast on iTunes for Christian men. If this podcast has blessed you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to bless and transform the lives of even more husbands, fathers, sons, and leaders, please prayerfully consider supporting this ministry. Just go to realmenconnect.com and click on the donate button. And may God bless your faithful giving.